Was the committee wrong for keeping Florida State out of the college football playoffs? Also, who is going to win MVP this NFL season? That and more today on the Charlie Jacobs podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 5th, as I am recording this. We are coming off a huge week 13 of the NFL season, and I think it has to start with talking about the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love looks like a really different player from where he did in the middle of the season. I know back to week one, my first Jacobs jugular, I said he would be MVP. Obviously, that did not go well, but what I saw in that game is what I've been seeing him do recently. He really has some things to his game that remind me and remind a lot of people I've seen of Aaron Rodgers. He has these times where he throws off his back foot, also just the way he scrambles and the way he plays the game. After watching Rodgers for three years, being behind him, uh, he really took it from him, and now he's playing kind of similar to Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying he is Aaron Rodgers, but he looks like he's kind of playing like that. Also, I want to mention Matt LaFleur has never lost in December, which is just a very interesting fact. Uh, they beat the Chiefs, who the Chiefs are going down a whole weird rabbit hole now, and their season is just a mess right now. They lost some players in their secondary, the Chiefs, and they really just need wide receivers who can get open. But back to the Packers. Also, Christian Watson, he really looks like the player he did at the end of last year. The beginning of last year, he was all banged up and he wasn't playing. And then at the end of the year, he had a huge streak of games with multiple touchdowns. And he set the football world on fire because he was just dominating in that stretch. He did unfortunately just get banged up at the end of that Chiefs game so hopefully he can come back and be healthy but as I said right now he's playing like what he did in the final stretch of last year even though the Packers didn't make the playoffs and speaking of playoffs the Packers are probably going to make the playoffs maybe as a wild card team they still maybe even have a chance to win the division if the Lions kind of struggle because the Lions defense has not looked the same as it did earlier in the season Packers have a very easy easy schedule rest of the way Next week, they play the Giants, and when you look at their schedule, they could easily go 10-7 and or even 11-6. and They might win out, and they could be a really tough team to play in the playoffs, even though the Niners are probably the best team in the league. And speaking of the Niners, yeah, I just said it. They do look like the best team. Again, they had that moment early in the season when everyone was like, oh, the Niners are the best team. Then then they went on the three-game losing streak, and now they're back to looking amazing. They had a huge dominant win over the Eagles after having negative six total yards in the first quarter, which is unprecedented for them, and it never happened in the Kyle Shanahan era. And they just proved that they're still the 49ers and they're the best team in football. And Brock Purdy is a legitimate top MVP candidate right now. He went into a hostile environment in Philly in the stadium where he got injured and had to get surgery on his elbow because of a UCL tear. He went into there and he stood up to the challenge and he was shining when the lights were the brightest and everyone was watching him and he really stood up to that task and he put on a show. He was awesome. Debo Samuel was amazing with the three touchdowns and with the Eagles, you could really see that there's a need there for them at linebacker. Their linebacking core is not that great with tackling. They've missed a lot of tackles and... That is why this next thing, them signing Shaq Leonard, is huge. They have this huge need filled. N'Kobe Dean, he, he's been okay, but 
he's been hurt and he hasn't really been playing because of that. So getting Shaq Leonard, someone who has been a proven all-pro in the past, someone who is a defensive rookie of the year, this is huge for Philly because their linebacker play. They've had a lot of missed tackles at that position, and they also get to beat out one of their division rivals in getting him because it was them or Dallas who were going to get Shaq Leonard, and the Eagles get them. But now, actually, Dallas, who Dallas, if they beat Philly this next week, they could possibly win the division depending on how the week against the Eagles, obviously, but also how the Eagles are in the rest of the season, and so the Cowboys. Cowboys do have a very tough schedule, though, but Dak is having his best season, at least when it comes to the eye test. Against Seattle, he was really clutch in that game, and he really delivered when he needed to. There's always been this narrative that Dak can't perform in big games, but he did perform in a pretty big game because the Seahawks are an average to above-average team. Last year, they were in the playoffs, and Dak kind of just lit them up. And as I said with Dak, he is someone who has struggled in big games before. So Dallas, really their big thing. They can't choke in the playoffs unless Dak wants to keep getting blamed, even though Dak will probably get a huge extension for how well he has been playing this year. And he also is one of the top MVP candidates. It's kind of crazy that Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott are the two favorites for MVP. And then you have Jalen Hurts. Um, I actually want to talk about the MVP way later in the episode. But next up, completely different team. Uh, Actually, a player. I want to talk specifically about Mike Evans. The start to the career that he has had is just incredible. In all of his seasons, he's had at least 1,000 yards, which in a 1,000-yard season for many receivers is very hard to do. 1,000 yards is really for the good to great to elite receivers. He's having a Hall of Fame career, and for some reason, it still goes that he's underrated, and people don't talk about him as much as they should. He has a Super Bowl ring, too, and he's just this this guy. He's a hard-nosed football player. He's always going to be a good target for the quarterback. He's good on deep balls. He's good at jump balls. He's good in the red zone. He's just an all-around great wide receiver, and he should be a Hall of Famer when he retires because he's had such an amazing career. Uh, Next, moving on, the Colts. Gardner Minshew this season is 7-3 and three as a starter. Uh, Anthony Richardson, they drafted him at number 4. He was supposed to start for the whole season, and it ended up being Minshew because of an injury. And Minshew is maybe arguably even in the top half of quarterbacks this year with how bad the quarterback play has been and how many injuries there have been. And for a backup to do this when there's some teams whose starters are worse than Minshew is, it kind of changes the narrative on backup quarterbacks. And it's just kind of crazy that nobody else signed him and that he didn't go somewhere where he could have been the starter from day one. But he looks good. The new head coach this season for the Colts, Shane Steichen, he's been great. Um, the Colts shouldn't have been competitive when you when they were going into the season. They didn't look like they were going to be that good. They looked like they might have been okay. They had some young players, obviously Anthony Richardson. But now they could get a wild card spot. And now with the Trevor Lawrence injury, they could even win the division. Who knows? And there is uh, there's talk that there could even be three AFC South teams in the playoffs, which is crazy considering how that division has had some of the worst teams in football each year. But now it could only be two because Trevor Lawrence injury, it's a high ankle sprain, he might come back. But it's kind of crazy to think that the Texans, the Colts, both teams who were picking in the top five picks are now in possible playoff position. But as I said, Trevor Lawrence injury, he got hurt. 
last night against the Bengals. It's another quarterback injury this year. You've had Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson. There's just so many injuries to quarterbacks this year. It feels like it's just not stopping. And now Lawrence has a high ankle sprain. Uh, who knows if he's going to be back in time for the end of the regular season because high ankle sprains really vary. When you were watching the game, it really looked bad and... It was kind of weird that they didn't have a card out there for him, but you could just see the pain on his face when they were taking him back to the locker room. And it really sucks to see these quarterback injuries, especially with the playoffs coming up very soon. And yes, it is part of the game, but it feels like this is a little bit too much. And that that even goes back to a whole conversation about the turf issue with all the Achilles injuries this year. The Trevor Lawrence injury was kind of a freak accident because he got stepped on and he bended back weird. But... Yeah, that injury could really cost the Jags, especially with C.J. Beathard playing, who who knows how he's going to be. And finally, before I want to move on to NBA, I have to talk about Jake Browning. Last night, Jake Browning did not play like he was a backup in his first start, which was last week, and then the week before when he came in for Joe Burrow on Thursday night. He didn't look good at all. He did not look good. He did not look like he was going to be very good. He didn't really look like he was going to last, but... In this game, he was almost perfect. Him and Jamar Chase had an immediate and obvious connection. In the very beginning, Jamar Chase had six catches for 28 yards, which is, I mean, six catches from Jamar Chase, you'd expect a lot more yards, but just a lot of check downs. Zach Taylor definitely schemed it up correctly for that quarterback. And the Bengals right now, it feels like they feels like they weren't going to be a playoff team because of the injury to Burrow. But now, not all hope is lost because the AFC, the wild card, is kind of wide open especially with the Steelers losing Pickett right now and the Browns having their whole weird quarterback situation with DTR and Joe Flacco. But Jake Browning was excellent last night. He was 32 of 37 passing, 354 yards and one touchdown. So this guy who, in his second ever NFL start and his third game that he's really played in and a lot of people have seen, not just garbage time, he led the league in passing yards this week. Just really crazy to think about for someone who everyone thought that the Jaguars would kind of just destroy the Bengals, but obviously not. He played up to the moment, and he was awesome. But that's it for football for now. I'm going to get back to it a little bit later, but I want to talk about the NBA in-season tournament. So I want to give my picks for tonight. I think the Knicks are going to beat the Bucks. That might just be a little bit of the homer in me, but I do think the Knicks could beat them. Also, I think the Suns are going to beat the Lakers. I don't really have a feel that much for that game. I just feel like if Booker and KD could both do what they've been doing, that Suns team will find a way to win. And the games from last night, the Pelicans beat the Kings. I had the Kings losing in the finals in the in-season tournament. Uh, I thought they were going to win the West, and not necessarily it was easy for them, but I just thought they would do it. And I didn't really think the Pelicans had it in them. I know last year the Pelicans at the start of the season were very good, and then everything kind of fizzled out with all the injuries. But it's kind of hard because of that to really look at the Pelicans like an elite team or a team that could go win an in-season tournament. And I, by the way, I do love the in-season tournament. It's a lot of fun to watch. I think the courts are actually really cool, much more cooler than I thought when I first saw them. But the whole thing with the Pelicans is that they've had they're this team with. Two really great players who have a lot of injury history and who never could be on the court together, yet they were on the court together in this game. They have been for a lot of the season, 
Brendan Ingram had 30. He really put the team on his back. Zion only had 10. Herb Jones had 23. He's been awesome since coming back from his little injury. And the other team that won was Indiana. Indiana beat Boston. A lot of people, I bet, going into this thought the Celtics were going to win. I should have said this last week on the podcast, but I did pick the Pacers to win the whole in-season tournament because they're a team that doesn't really feel like they're officially contenders yet, but their offense is so historically great in the regular season. Last year, the Kings set all these kind of records for how efficient their offense was, and the Pacers are doing that, but better, and they're doing that, but more efficient. It's crazy to think of it. Tyrese Halliburton is a legit MVP candidate. He is amazing and as I, it's funny that he went from the Kings to the Pacers considering with the offenses, but it was the right trade for both teams because Halliburton wouldn't have gotten as much playing time if he was on the Kings and Sabonis now is huge for the Kings, but Halliburton is a stud and the Pacers just played really well yesterday. They don't really have that I guess you could call it like that second huge stud player. You have Miles Turner. You have um, you have Buddy Heald, who's there to shoot. Benedict Matherin, Bruce Brown, even Obi Toppin contributing his bit. But the Pacers are just this type of team that gets really hot. And when they're on these hot streaks, they're really hard to beat because they score a lot. Their defense isn't great, but they do score a lot. And this even comes with Jalen Brown having 30, Jason Tatum having 32, and it just wasn't enough. The Pacers outdueled the Celtics, outdueled a lot of people's title favorites, and they did it. And it was awesome the way it ended with Tyrese Halliburton converting on a four-point play. It was just put the put the dagger on the game, and it was really cool to watch. And I'm really excited for the games tonight. And now, before I go go to my jugular, I want to quickly touch on the college football playoffs. So the selection committee chose their four teams, Michigan at one, Washington at two, Texas at three, and Alabama at four. There's a lot of controversy here because Florida State went undefeated in the AFC, in the ACC, not the AFC, that's my bad, but they went undefeated in the ACC. They beat LSU early in the season. They beat Louisville, who was ranked. They beat Duke, who was ranked. They had these wins that were good, but having Jordan Travis go down really changed what the committee saw. Because even though they were undefeated and they did win a Power 5 conference, they're not in because, I guess, the committee is using the eye test rather than the whole season. Because if you look at the whole season, Florida State, even though some of these wins may have been closer than some of the people on the committee would have liked, they really did dominate this season in a way because they didn't lose. And even after Travis went down, Tate Rodemaker, who didn't look great, they still found a way to win with their defense. Jared Verse in the last few weeks... Early in the season, everyone was saying, oh, he's going to be a top 10 pick. And then that stock kind of fell, and now it's going back up. At least I think it is. And from what I've seen, it feels like his stock's going back up just because that Florida State defense has been so good. And I still do think, even with this, I still do think the committee got it right because I could really see any of these four teams winning. You have Michigan, who has a good defense. Their offense is streaky at times. Alabama, they're on such a hot streak. They just beat Georgia. They just shattered that undefeated streak for Georgia, and now they're playing Michigan, and I could see Alabama beating Michigan. I could see Michigan beating Alabama. Uh, If I were to choose any of these teams, I don't think we'll win no matter what. I think it's Michigan, which is kind of crazy because they're the one seed. They just haven't really played that many real teams this year, but I think Washington, they have a really good offense, and Penix just looks so comfortable in that Oregon game, and 
Texas, I think, could beat Washington. I think Washington could beat Texas. Texas look great, but they do have some injuries here and there. Especially, like, losing Jonathan Brooks was kind of big for them. But the one thing, if I were to make any pick of who I think is going to win, I want to say Washington. I feel like it's a very unpopular opinion. But the reason I say Washington is because their defense showed a little bit more than I was expecting when they played Oregon there. Yeah, they gave up some yards, but that was giving up yards within in the 20s. They didn't really let Oregon get into the end zone much. There were a couple plays like broken coverage where Oregon scored late in the game. But still, Braylon Trice has been awesome. And just that whole Washington defense has been playing a lot better than people would have expected from a Pac-12 team. And that's it for my college football talk for now. I'll talk more about it as it gets closer because it's not until New Year's Day, the first round of the college football playoffs. But here comes the Week 13 Jacobs Jugular. I've mentioned this briefly in another jugular, or not even just briefly, just talked about it. Tyreek Hill should win the MVP. He needs to. I feel like he's the best player in the league right now. There's six players who have technically have better odds than him, and they're all quarterbacks. It's a quarterback award, but the quarterback play at the top, it's been kind of similar. I wouldn't say Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott is the MVP because I don't think either of them are the best player in the league. You have other players who are better than them. Yes, they're having great seasons, but I would still think Mahomes is a better player than both of them, but Mahomes isn't the MVP because he hasn't had that season, but that's due to other things. I think the most valuable player in the league this season is Tyreek Hill because of what he brings to that Dolphins team. Tua, who could... Tua could throw it up 60 yards. Tyreek Hill will be open. Tua could give it to Tyreek two yards away from the line of scrimmage and Tyreek could take it for an 80-yard touchdown. He's that type of player who has speed that is unmatchable, even by his own teammate who is very fast. You have Jalen Waddell, you have Raheem Mostert, you have Devon Achan, who are all these guys who are very fast, but Tyreek Hill is just faster. And yes, DK Metcalf did have a faster, faster miles per hour time on his touchdown, on his first touchdown against Dallas, but still... I do think Tyreek is the MVP. He has been such an impactful player, and he's really changing the narrative that MVP has to be just a quarterback award. I don't know if a wide receiver has ever won MVP, or at least in the last 20 years has a wide receiver won MVP, but I think Tyreek deserves it, and if he could keep doing what he's doing, I think he should definitely get it, especially if he breaks 2,000 yards. Another thing, the Dolphins have a very, very easy schedule in their scenario because four of their last five games are at home. Miami has the biggest home field advantage in football, and it's not because of the fans. It's because of the way Hard Rock Stadium is built. So the opposing bench, the away team's bench, it's always directly in the sun when it's sunny out. So this sideline can be 10, 20, even 30 degrees warmer than the Dolphins' sideline, which tires out the players. And it's a huge advantage for the Dolphins, and that's just built into the stadium. It's been like that for a while now, but it's one of those things now with home field advantage with fans kind of, decreasing ever since the COVID year, it's kind of changing the way people see that stadium because it's such a huge advantage for the Dolphins. And if the defenders are tired and can't keep up with Tyree Kill, he'll keep getting yards. He'll keep scoring. He's just incredible to watch. And it is really cool to see what the Dolphins are doing. Tyreek right now is on pace to break a single season record of breaking 2,000 yards receiving, which has never been done, and he's doing it during a season, as I said, where no quarterback is really standing out. And also, not to mention the Dolphins, they're the one seed in the AFC right now. So if the best team in the AFC, which has been very competitive this year, has this one player, Tyree Kill, who is 
just that much better this season than any other player in his position. Yes, I am saying he's better than every other player in his position right now, even with AJ Brown's season, even with CeeDee Lamb's season, because it's just that special. And I did see this tweet yesterday from Mike Renner, and it says, Calvin Johnson ran more routes through 11 games of his record-breaking 2012 season, 500, which is 530 routes, than Tyree Kill is on pace to run in 17 games this season, only 492 routes. So the current NFL single season receiving record holder ran more routes than Tyree Kill is going to run this season, and Calvin Johnson did that in less games. I know it's kind of me repeating the tweet, but it's just really, really crazy that that's a stat and that Tyreek is still on pace to do this because Calvin Johnson did not win MVP. I think he went Offensive Player of the Year that year, if I'm not mistaken. Tyreek, if he doesn't win MVP, he better win it. Offensive Player of the Year, but I also think this could be the year where a quarterback wins Offensive Player of the Year, and then a wide receiver or even a running back like McCaffrey wins MVP because they're that important to their team. But that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. I'll be back next week for my Week 14 recap of the NFL season. Signing off now. Thank you for listening.